Hoot 7 proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Reddish. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Huge, huge time in the NBA right now. The, the fight for the playoffs is really heating up. We've got less than five rounds to go in the regular season. We've got two teams locked in a battle now over top spot. There's only half a game between the top two teams. And then we've still got six more teams fighting out for those last two spots in, in the top four. So plenty to talk about on, on this week's show. I'm your co-host, Chris Pike, but... The man you're all here to listen to, the scoring machine, the Perth Wildcats legend, the four-time championship winner, six-time club MVP, Sean Redditch. Thanks for joining me once again. Thanks, Pikey. It's been an exciting week and uh, another exciting round here in NBL action. You're right. It's coming down to the the last few weeks, and uh, I think it's all going to be played out. These next few weeks are going to be huge and determine a lot of these teams' season. Now, we're recording this show on Saturday morning this week for something a little bit different, so we'll get into the games on Friday night to tip off round 16 shortly and and some big wins, big results as well. New Zealand Breakers keeping their season alive, beating the Sydney Kings and, and the Perth Wildcats handing the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix are another thumping. But before we get to that, Sean, it's been a big week for you. Redditch Basketball Camp held at Bendat Basketball Centre. Sold out with 200 kids there over 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 the week. And I'm sure they all enjoyed the chance to get up close and personal with you and, and the crew that you put together. How did, how did you go? Yeah, it was fantastic. It was uh, it was our biggest camp we've had. Moved over to the Bendat Basketball Centre. Had eight courts going. Uh, just great to see so many kids out and playing basketball and enjoying it four hours a day it was it was pretty hot on a couple of those occasions mm-hmm. but just to seeing kids enjoying basketball getting better interacting uh, with new friends it's uh, it's a great environment and uh, I really enjoy uh, working those camps and and seeing uh, just just the the improvement on some of them some of those kids have come to a few camps now and to see them where they were a few years ago now is uh, is fun to see it's not easy for a for a professional athlete to find something that they're passionate about once they finish, especially someone like you who spent well, you spent 15 years playing professionally um, after after college. So I mean, you had 20 years where you were basically a full-time basketball player. Do you feel like you've now found what you're passionate about post your your professional career? Yeah, I think uh, you know I've always had that passion for basketball and still yeah. love to play, but. Now you're kind of moving into a different realm, and you're seeing it from that that early development. You know, we've got kids as young as six and seven and even my son I think he came to his first camp when he was only seven years old and, and now mm-hmm. he's nine so you kind of get to see that development I was coaching his his, his little team uh, this morning as well up at work in the in the Sterling competition over there over the summer so it's yep. just fun to uh, be at the grassroots of basketball and just to find something it's it's hard to replicate uh, finding mm. that passion that you have when you're a professional sportsman and I think I think that's one of the hard part of being an athlete is what do you do when you finish um, and being able to stay busy find that passion and uh, you know I think you kind of bring my two two loves in, in, in basketball and in, uh, in coaching as well so I'm really enjoying it and uh, just uh, you know it's been fun to, to see the development of um, and getting basketball. I think I think basketball is really getting popular, mm. um, especially at that junior level. I know the NBL is growing and exploding, and at the professional level, it's it's at a whole nother level. But I think basketball as well is um, is really taking hold at the junior level, and they're seeing some some uh, explosion and interest yeah. within that as well. 
I'm sure I've been sitting in an, in an office all day, but there was a period where you were heading in that direction and you even started working in the finance field sort of, it must have been around sort of 2010, 2011. Are you, are you much happier that you've been able to avoid that for now? Yeah, no, it's something I enjoyed. And, that, and I guess yeah. that's the hard part. When you go to college, you're 18, you're not really sure what you what you want to do for the rest of your life, but you kind of made that decision. I got my degree in construction management, but I haven't really set foot on a construction <laughs> side since uh, probably uh, getting my degree and having to go do mm. some work experience. But other than that, I've just been basketball and yeah, I did, uh, I do enjoy the financial planning side of things as well and, and worked on, um, getting my degree in that. But, uh, you know, basketball finished for me at the, yeah, obviously at the NBL level, I was, um, I was still, still passionate and always thought that, uh, you know, I'd kind of go into that, that junior basketball development and I'm, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Very good. It seems to be working. Well, for you. Now, let's move on. We're, we're, of course, here thanks to Hoop7. So head to hoop7.com.au for all of the basketball gear that you could ever ever dream of. If you're in Perth, of course, you can find them at, at Murray Street in the in the Perth city. So head in and, and check them out there. And thanks to being a listener here on Basketball Hustle. If you use the special code word HUSTLE, the team there will take care of you. So online, you can use that at the checkout. Or if you're there in person, just mention it when you go up to, to buy your products and, and the boys there will take care of you. So thanks to Hoops Heaven, let's have a look at the start to round 16. So we're, we're fresh here off two games on, on Friday and they were two, two massive ones for all the four teams involved and starting over in New Zealand in New Plymouth. So the second time that the NBL had played, played down there and really important win for the New Zealand Breakers. Keeps their season alive. That They improved to 10 and 12 with that win over, over the Sydney Kings. They did it without... Sec Henry coming into the game, who's, who's out again with his calf injury. RJ Hampton now is back on the sidelines with his hip injury. And then two tech, two technical unsportsmanlike fouls to Brandon Ashley in the third quarter, which was pretty rough on him. I I thought saw them without another key player as well, but they still found a way to win. Rob Lowe stepped up again and came up huge. Jared Weeks was the same. And Scotty Hobson terrific as well with 30 points. Not sure how much of the game you saw, Sean, but how big a result is that for, for the Breakers? It's a huge result and uh, probably even a bigger result for the Sydney Kings. I mean, mm. surprising that they would, uh, with with the New Zealand Breakers, <laughs> you're right, you're going through the list of guys that they don't have and uh, and to get a win versus Sydney Kings team, let's be honest, um, at the start of the year, they almost looked unbeatable the yep. way they were playing 12-1, and one, but uh, they've really come back to, to the rest of the pack now and uh, it looked like they were saving uh, Andrew Bogut for for later in the year and we talked about yep. that earlier in the year I thought that that's probably a good move I thought they would have done that just with his I guess boomers commitments and, and everything but they got three points from their bench the New Zealand Breakers and beat the top side so credit to the guys that got the job done I think they had four guys play 34 minutes or more and yep. uh, Scotty Hobson looks like he's a you know Corey Homicide Williams, should I say, uh, did say he was the best uh, player mm-hmm. in the league in the preseason. And, uh, you know, he's, he's getting the job done at the moment. They're relying on him, and uh, and he's providing some some fantastic production. So that's a great win for the New Zealand Breakers and the Sydney Kings. Uh, you know, they're, they're probably hurting from that loss, knowing that they had a great opportunity to kind of build some, uh, I guess, some movement between them and the Wildcats, but they weren't able to. Yeah, and as the as the night wound on, it became even more important because suddenly 
with that loss, the Kings are 15 and 7, and the Wildcats are 15 and 8, and, and as we know, the, the Wildcats have got a terrific run home. So I think it might end up being one of those losses that ends up costing the Kings top spot. Would you, I mean, I, I still think it was probably a good move to rest rest Bogan, especially with the extra travel. It wasn't just heading to Auckland. They had to head to, to New Plymouth as well, and they do have a game on Sunday against the, the Phoenix as well, which I assume he's playing for. But, yeah, I mean, if it ends up costing a top spot in home court advantage in a grand final series, how much do you end up living to, to regret regret this game? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, and uh, I'm sure they, they weighed up a lot of a lot of that. I'm, I, I think the travel would have had a lot to do with that, yeah. not just Auckland, but then having to go to New Plymouth and, uh, you know, probably not the biggest planes to get you from Auckland or the, mm. the bus as well. So, it, you know, only time's going to tell. I mean, we'll see how – Bogut hasn't looked as fresh as he was last year. I don't think he's yeah. been as dominant, especially on the offensive end. He's uh, He's been a passive at times. We know he's a great passer, but I still think in this league and his height and his – athleticism and ability they should utilize him down on the block a little bit more i think you would yeah. demand a lot of attention but we haven't seen that as much he isn't not blocking as many shots so i, I think it's probably a good idea you want to get him to 100 percent, but you also want to get that top spot you're in a great mm. spot to uh to get it so it's a, it's a tough one they do have a favorable schedule coming up after after this as well they've got a few home games and outside yeah. of having to travel over to perth um, I think they've got winnable games. I think they play Melbourne United is, is kind of their other tougher, tougher one yeah, to finish the off. Week, yeah. They got Southeast Melbourne Phoenix twice. So it'll, um, you know, I think to me that game against Perth could be the uh, decider on who gets yep. top spot. Absolutely. Jason Tate, he was having a terrific game, 22 points, um, three, three rebounds, but he fouled out with eight minutes or just under eight minutes to go in the game. Do you take the risk and do you play him on the four fouls at that point? In the game, or because he was having such a, an impact, was it potentially a mistake by Will Weaver to even have him on the floor with with that long left in the game? Well, I'm always of the opinion that it's it's really an individual thing, and yep. you got to know the guys that you're coaching. Are they susceptible to getting that fifth foul? Are they able mm. to kind of get their hands out? And how physical do they play defense? We know Jayshon Tate is a is a physical defender. He's yeah. a bull down there. So he, to me, he's kind of one of those guys. If he get picks up that fourth, you kind of need to protect him. And it showed, you know, the, the game was tied with two minutes to go. And then the New Zealand breakers uh, hit some big shots. So they really missed him down yeah, they did. that playmaking ability and rebounding and defensive toughness. So, uh, you know, that, that might be one that did cost him by picking up that fifth foul. Cause he's, he's really important to that team. And he's kind of that uh, glue guy. I, I think almost, if you think of the golden state warriors from previous years, that dream on green, that just does a little bit of everything, but gives them that toughness. Yeah. Terrific comparison. I couldn't agree more. Let's move on to the second game last night. RSA Arena, Perth Wildcats hosting the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. We we saw what happened the first time the Phoenix came to Perth. They lost by by 31 points. Um, I think we're all expecting them to be more competitive this this time around. And they were for, for a half. I know the Wildcats were still 11 points up at half time, but the game sort of felt up for grabs still at half time. But um, once, Tre- once Trevor Gleeson called a timeout early in that th- third quarter after the Phoenix made made a brief, I think, an 8-0 run. It was all the Wildcats from there, and 
They just just got on a hell of a roll and they couldn't be stopped. They ended up winning 97 to 71. So for the Phoenix to lose on their two trips to Perth by a combined 57 points means they would won't have too many fond memories of those experiences. But um, important win for the Wildcats and impre- and an impressive one as well. First game at home in almost a month and to put that sort of second half performance together, I think will give them a lot of confidence, especially when they've now got eight days to build on it before they have to play again. Yeah, well, if they shoot the ball like they did against Illawarra and then against Southeast Melbourne Phoenix yeah. on Friday, I don't think there's going to be anyone that that can really compete with them the way they play defense as well. I mean, mm. I, I really liked you – know, you look at Miles Plumlee's stats and it, nothing outstanding – but the thing I just noticed is how hard he plays. I mean, he's out there. He's six foot eleven. He's hedging. He's sprinting the floor to get back. He's hands active on defense. Uh, to me, he he. That's exactly what the Wildcats need. They don't need someone coming in and scoring 15, 20 points. No. They've got Bryce Cotton. They got Trico White, and they got Nick Kay, who can kind of um, pick up those those points. And then they've got Clint Steindl, who comes in and and shoots the ball as well as I've ever seen him shoot in this league yeah. the last few weeks. So it's a uh, you know I think it's an ominous sign for the rest of the league the way uh, they played defense last night. I mean, was it eleven points? for Southeast Melbourne Phoenix in that first quarter. It just looked like you were just wondering where are they going to get the points from? I mean, they, you know, Mitch Creek started 0-4 and he banked in his first shot and it almost Mm. looked like everyone was surprised that Southeast Melbourne Phoenix scored. So it's a, uh, and the other thing is they've lost twice now. You're right, by over 50 points total. That really hurts your percentage. It almost kind of takes you out. You've got to finish a game ahead of everyone now because you've got such a poor performance um, poor percentage, I say, over the years. So that's a it's a tough loss for Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. It's a learning experience. You got to still remember this is their first year in the in the league. So they got off to a hot start, but it probably shows you the uh, the levels between the top two teams in the rest of the league with that result last night. Yeah, I think so. I want to get your thoughts on the first half? It was probably the ugliest first half of basketball I've seen this NBL season. And and to, uh, I know I know the two teams weren't playing great, but the officiating didn't help either. For the for the first half alone, we had I think we had twenty two fouls called and and a combined twenty nine foul shots between the the two teams. A lot of those but came in that second quarter, which just dragged on on forever, just with the amount of calls that the referees were were making. To have you know more than a foul a minute, to have you know almost one and a half foul shots for every minute that we play play a game. I don't think anyone wants to see that, do they? What were you, what were your thoughts on on that first half? Yeah, I agree, and 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 actually, the Wildcats games usually go by pretty quick because there's not mm. a lot of fouls called, especially yeah. at at home at RAC Arena. I know when I'm working the game, you, it goes by pretty quick. But yeah, uh, you know, I was I was watching the game on television last night, and yeah, the amount of fouls that were called, and some of them were ticky tack. But you also got you're gonna have different refs every game. The players got to adjust a little bit. You know, Miles Blumley's he's an import in this league and as soon as you come in you're just gonna get tagged especially mm. with how physical that that block he had later <laughs> in the was just outstanding and he got called for the yeah. for the foul there early in the third quarter but um that just shows you that his his presence but yeah. you're right you, you got to find that happy medium and uh and no one wants to see that many fouls called so it's uh, hopefully hopefully there'll be improvement there, but yeah, it wasn't pretty basketball, especially in that first half. 
Well, I mean, you touch on the players having to adjust. Is once they realise how the game's called, is it on the players? Is it on their 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 next to find a way to avoid picking up those cheap fouls or? Do the like Simon Mitchell said after the game? Do they just have to stop calling the soft fouls that have no impact on the play? I mean, is or, or is it just a balance of, of both in in the end? Yeah, I, I think there's a l- little bit of both. I mean, I, I saw the uh, the foul where where you're just grabbing someone as you're trying to get around that screen, and there was really yeah. no not a whole lot in it. And then Southeast Melbourne Phoenix actually got the and one. It was on Madgeton's, uh jumper. Yeah. I think, but to me, that was just kind of a, a no call. Like guys are competing. There's, there's going to be a little bit of physicality. Obviously you don't want holding and grabbing and that type of thing, but uh, you know, it's, it's on both. And, you know, from the ref's point of view, they're probably, this is how we've been instructed to, to call this. And, uh, and so they, they want to set the tone in that first half as well. So it, it, it it's a tough one, but you've, you've got to adjust, you know, the refs aren't going to change, especially mid mid game. They're just going to call, they've been instructed, Hey, we want to be consistent throughout the game. So if you, if you're doing this, you've mm-hmm. got to, got to adjust. And, and I think it's on the players. I think they probably did, but, do some adjustment at halftime. There weren't as many mm-hmm. fouls called. A little no, bit second more. second better. Yeah, but I think that's that's probably the refs doing not a bad job because the game freed up after that because people yeah. weren't weren't holding and and doing that because both teams were playing pretty desperate. I mean, the Wildcats knew. Um, I don't know if a lot of the players knew the result going into that one, but it had finished a you know half hour to an hour before yeah. their game, so they would have. I'm sure they probably would have been aware that the Kings lost and. Uh, Obviously, Damian Martin, who didn't play, he knew it at halftime. So uh, I'm mm. sure quite a few of the guys would have would have known and known how how much was riding on that. Because top spot, Wildcats get top spot. That's a uh, a grand final berth and uh, and a great shot at winning a championship. They know how much yeah. that's uh, that's on the line. Absolutely. Speaking of, of Damian Martin, he's sidelined at the moment, and he's sidelined for at least the next two weeks as well. Mitch Norton is really stepping up in his absence. He's he played great defense in the last last night again on 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 John John Robeson who had a pretty quiet night, just shot three of nine and only had eleven points. But but Mitch is also stepping up offensively. He had a he had that hot start where he, he hit I think it was four threes three or four threes in the first quarter against Illawarra. He had another good offensive night last night. Put up eighteen points. He's really taking his chance in in the absence of Damo. Yeah, and I think he's reading the defense pretty well. I think when yeah. teams go under that that on ball, he, he knocked that shot down against Illawarra. But I also like when he they pass in the ball, and obviously teams are are uh, you know gearing up to stop Bryce Cotton. They're almost using uh, Mitch Norton's man to stop Bryce Cotton. So Mitch yep. Norton's grabbing that ball, and he's just putting his head down and getting to the rim and putting some pressure. And, uh, and when he uses that speed, he's, he gets so low. I don't think there's another player in the league that gets as low. He almost just attacks your hips, gets you around yep. and either gets fouled or he's, or he's on the rim laying it up. So, he can uh, also you finish know, pretty well from those positions. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And, and it's probably, I mean, there's going to be a time. I don't know if it's going to be this year, next year, um, when it will be, but he'll be the starting point guard for the Perth Wildcats. So it'll be a, uh, you know, this is a good transition and opportunity for him to really cement his spot um, yeah. in that lineup as well. When when Damo does decide to to hang him up, so we don't know when that'll be. But you know, Mitch Norton is is playing some pretty good basketball, and it's, it's really good to see. He had a little bit quiet start to the year, I thought, 
Um, and uh, wasn't shooting the ball that well. But when he knocked down that knocking down that three, it just opens up the whole game for us and he, for him. And he's he's improved over that. And he's got a nice, decent looking stroke that you know he yeah. can be consistent when he's open. Majuk Majuk as well. To me, he, I just thought he he and Dario Hunt were two similar players. So, but potentially it was never going to work for them as a combination. But but now that he's getting a chance, and especially last night because of the foul trouble that. That, that Plumlee was in, he was able to really have an impact, the, especially the offensive rebounds that he grabbed and the second chance points that he, he gave the team were were just massive. And I think he's probably been buoyed by the fact that Dario's not there now and he knows that he's got a real chance to make a make a stamp on this team. Yeah, well, we saw a few weeks ago Trevor kind of inserting him into the starting lineup. Yep. And I'm not sure if that was to get Dario Hunt, you know, more... Um, get him going a little bit more. Sometimes you need to put an import to the bench and kind of get them, uh, I guess, get their attention. But, you know, he, he's he's played pretty well when he's in there. And, and probably stats-wise, you might say, oh, look, he's a, he's playing better than Miles Plumley at this point. I think Miles is going to get better as as mm-hmm. longer he is with the Wildcats. And, and he learns how to play off Tariko and, and Bryce Cotton as well. But, yeah, I, I, I like what he's bringing so far. The last few weeks, especially uh, especially rebounding, to me that's the thing. And Trevor Gleason's big on that. I think that's why they went went out and got him. They know how good he can be, especially on the offensive end. So yep. um, if he can grab those offensive rebounds, get those extra possessions, and kick it out to the shooters, um, he's going to get quite a few minutes from Trevor Gleason. I know that. Just on Plumlee, that to me that was the block of the season. The the one on on Dane Pino last night, even though it was called a foul, it looked to be the cleanest block you will ever ever see. So I don't know what the referees were, were seeing. So that was disappointing. But for an import big like that, how frustrating is it to come in and and realize that some of these fouls you're getting, you've probably never seen in your life before. Well, it's a different physical. I mean, he's coming from an NBA game where yeah. he's going up against seven footers on a nightly basis. So he's kind of got to be over physical to be able to compete with those Mm -hmm. guys. Whereas here he's not going up against as big a guy. So he's kind of got to learn and he's a big, strong guy as well. So he's got to find that happy medium where he can play hard, but also not pick up those silly fouls in it. And a guy like that, I always, you know, if we had a guy, new guy that come in, um, might have been in foul trouble. I said, you got to get through that first quarter with getting no Mm -hmm. fouls. And then you can play the rest of the game with that aggressiveness that we know, um, that we know you're capable of. So he's kind of got it. You know, we saw that wrap around cheap foul. It's actually, you know, looked, looked like a lot of ball, but over yeah. here, that's going to get called probably 80 to 90% of the time. So he's just got to protect himself, especially that first quarter. And then he mm-hmm. can come out and play a little bit physical the rest of the game. So I'm sure the coaches will be talking to him with that and he'll be learning and good, good experience. But uh, I expect him, we're probably not going to see the best of him until, you know, maybe the last game or two and then and come mm-hmm. finals time, I think he'll be huge for the, for the Wildcats. Based on what we saw for him at the foul line, we might see some hacker miles at some point throughout the, throughout the finals. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, a guy who's getting paid $12.5 million <laughs> going 0 for 4 from the free throw line. <laughs> it's not pretty. And, and they didn't, didn't look like they were, right. um, they were, any of them had a chance to go in. So I'm, I'm sure he'll be getting some extra 
shooting practice in this week, but you know, that might be a strategy for teams. I mean, heck of, heck of miles. Uh, we'll, we'll end up seeing what, what Trevor Gleason does if that becomes a situation, but you know, if teams are going to be down 10, 12 points. I, I can see that coming into play for sure. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I, I noticed when the Kings played in Perth last time, Andrew Bogut actually asked Will Weaver if he wanted to, to play hacker, hacker Dario Hunt. So it's a, it's a, it's something that, opposition teams have thought about so it'll be interesting if we see it happen at, at some point I guess the thing you have to be cautious of now is getting unsportsmanlike fouls and, and then it, it sort of changes the game completely and it turns things on its head but yeah we, we'll see now let's talk about Bryce Cotton his 100th game in the NBL both of us have probably seen all 100 of those games you you probably played alongside him for the first 40 or 50 of them and, and you've watched on since and certainly every game in Perth we would have both, both seen him play and then watch the rest on TV. It's been a hell of a first 100 games for him, probably the best 100 games ever by a Perth Wildcats player. And he, he produced again last night, 25 points, 7 assists. He had his mum in town for the first ever time. Um, he had his wife there, he had his daughter there, and he put on a show. It's a, it's a hell of a story that Bryce Cotton's putting together. Yeah, let's let's make no mistake. He is an outstanding player, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I wasn't there for Ricky Grace's first hundred games, but I, mm-hmm. I right, imagine it would be hard to beat what he's been able to produce since he's come into the league. So you know, and it, it was interesting listening to that that interview with uh, his mom at halftime with, with Lockie Reed, and she was saying that Bryce calls this home now for him. Which, uh, yeah. if you're a Wildcat fan, you are excited to, to hear that. We know there's <laughs> talk of him potentially playing with the Boomers, wants his citizenship. Uh, let's hope that that does go through because I think he'd be a good asset to the Boomers. Not definitely not a lock to make the team, but. I think he would be a, a great asset if they, if they yeah. were able to uh, get him in there. Just the way he passes the ball and shoots and, and can flat out score and competes. You know, that to me, the most impressive play last night was when he got blocked and he sprinted to the other end of the floor, got back into that defensive um, mm. play, knocked the ball out of bounds, almost ran up into the stands, I think, <laughs> yeah. up into row 212 or whatever it is over <laughs> there in the corner. And uh, to me, if you're a coach, you're just like, that's my best player. That's the best player in the league. And he is sprinting back to get back. Like, that's the ultimate example. That's, you know, that's something Damian Martin would do. Yep. Um, and uh, and Bryce Cotton is doing it. So you're in good hands when you got your best player also playing the hardest. Do you stand by your statement that he's the best player that you ever played with? Look, I think from a more talented point of view, I think James Ennis, probably if you're looking at just pure athleticism and talent, I know Bryce Cotton can get up and jump. Um, but if pure on, if you look at an overall basketball player and the skill level he has, I don't think there's anyone that I've played with better than Bryce Cotton. I mean, to be able to rise, people don't understand how difficult it is to be consistent with a jump shot with how high he jumps. Yeah. And uh, and he just he just makes that like it's – like the easiest shot in the world. So I actually thought in the first half he was, he was probably a bit emotional. I know, you know, when my mom first came, came out to Australia and she actually came out for my, saw my first Perth Wildcat game when it was number 300. So, um, you know, it's a pretty emotional time and, and it looked like Bryce was a little bit emotional in that first half and maybe pushing things a a little bit, which is on Bryce like, but 
Um, once he settled down, he uh, he really found his groove, and you know he didn't even really have to play in the fourth quarter. They played him for a mm. few minutes, but you know twenty five and probably three quarters time. So it was uh, it was another probably just average Bryce Cotton performance, but you know an outstanding performance yeah. from anyone anyone else. For sure. Um, now last week on the show you said that provided the Wildcats got that win in in Wollongong that you would expect them to go on to finish. In top in top spot, given the run run home that they've got. Now that they've won those two games, they're fifteen and eight. Like I said, half a game behind the Kings, and they do have a home game in hand against the Kings. Do you expect the Wildcats to go on to finish in first place from here? I do, and I think uh, I think it'll all come down to that Wildcats versus Kings game yep. in a few weeks' time. I think the beginning of February is, yep. is the one, and uh, you know I'm sure the Kings have that one circled because that one's worth worth double. So yeah. if you if you win that, you you get a loss on the other team and give yourself a plus percentage. They're getting Wildcats with that big win. They're getting closer to the Sydney Kings percentage as well. So it'll uh, it'll be interesting the last few weeks. But I, I do think, I mean, having four of their last five at home now is uh, is a huge advantage. That one game away at Melbourne, that one's going to be tough. But I think yeah. if they can get the home games, I think they'll get top spot. Let's just touch on the Phoenix quickly. Um... It was tough to pull too many positives out of it from their point of view. Devon Drick Walker looks like a, a very, very talented player and a, and a good shooter, but someone that can also create his own shot. So he's a he's a handy pickup for them late in the piece. But did you see too many positives out of it from a Phoenix point of view? No, they did talk about on the broadcast last night, Mitch Creek kind of carrying an injury. He didn't look very explosive. No. Roberson, I thought he was a little bit more aggressive than that. We usually see him in the first quarter. He's actually getting to the rim. A lot more Ty Wesley. You know, we just haven't seen the Ty Wesley from the last two years yet. No. Um, he had that one good game, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, but he's just looking rusty, not not having that usual touch around the rim that he normally yeah, he's has. He's shooting very so. poorly. He, he shoot, he's, it wasn't just last night. Overall, he's been shooting poorly. And again, last night, two of 11. It's just, that's very un, un Ty Wesley like. Yeah, they really need they really need their stars to kind of produce, and and obviously Mitch Creek had a had a quiet one as well. You know, I guess if there's any positive, it is Devondrick Walker um, shooting pretty good and and looking pretty smooth out there. He was actually he was actually here on Wednesday. He was here before the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. He was shooting around at Bendat Basketball Center on Wednesday night him. with uh, with one of the uh, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix coaches and. Yeah. Um, and Tommy Greer as well, the GM there. So he was actually here waiting for Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. I thought, you know, Simon Mitchell said, look, he was our, our best player and, and scored the most, which probably isn't a good thing. The fact mm. that he only met his teammates less than 24 hours yeah. before. So it's a, uh, you know, is it too little, too late? You know, possibly. I, I can't see them getting to the finals here. But for me, they can find out if Devondrick Walker is going to be a, a key guy going forward yeah, for, for sure. him. I mean, uh, you know, if you've got Roberson, Walker, Creek, and you can get Ty Wesley 100% and healthy, um, getting back to, to that level, that's a that's a good core right there. And obviously, Dane Penno and what he's been able to produce this year. I think they they got the makings. They just kind of got to find that that ride. I, defensively is where they've got to improve. So I'm not sure Devondrick Walker is how outstanding at defense yeah, he's going to be, but they need some other guys that can be able to bring that toughness defensively. In a game like that, how much do you miss Adam Gibson not being able to come on the court 
due to his, his calf injury. I know that you probably don't need him to score a lot. You just need his presence out there and his leadership. How much do you miss? It's similar to the Wildcats with Damien Martin. How much do you miss that leadership out on the court? Oh, I think I think for a guy like that, that's where can really settle in those runs that teams go yeah. on. I mean, we saw Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. They went on that run early in that third quarter, got it back. And then after that, the Wildcats called timeout and it was lights out after that. You know, yeah. just be able to stem those tods when those when those teams go on a run and you're not coming down. We saw Devondra shoot some quick shots, which probably leads to the Wildcats and extending that lead if they don't make it on the other end. So, you know, I think you do miss some leadership and and he knows how to hit big shots as well. I mean, he can come in, you know, he's not a flat out score, but I think he mm. can provide, we've seen him, you know, score over 30 this year. So yeah. he can, he can score. And to me, he just brings, you know, they're missing a, some little bit of defensive toughness, toughness. And that's what Gibbo, you know, has kind of prided himself on in his whole career. Yeah, for sure. Now that's the start to round, round 16 taken care of. We'll take a look at the other four matches shortly. Just a couple of other things I wanted to get your thoughts on Sean Lamelo ball. We've now officially seen the last of him, in the NBL, he won't be coming back to play for the Illawarra Hawks again. Whether or not it's a, a genuine foot injury or if it's just precaution to make sure that he's healthy to to start his NBA career, I don't think it really matters either way. He's done his job here and he's impressed enough where he's in that discussion for the number one draft pick. And I don't think we can fault him for anything he's done. But um, do you see it as a success overall for for the league and for Lamelo the the way it's all panned out? Look, I think everyone would have liked to seen him continue, uh, mm. you, you know, from a just basketball purist point of view. You want to see as much as you can of a guy who could be the potential number one pick. I understand it from a uh, from a business and professional point of view why he's he's chosen to to hang it up the rest of this season. Um, I think it's probably a smart move and, and something you're going to look back on. You know, he's he's proven himself. I don't think I don't I don't think he can help himself anymore. You know, by playing these last four or five games, if Illawarra Hawks were in the hunt, maybe it might have been a different story. Um, but I don't think he's going to help himself. But you know, I do think look at it as a success. You know, the yeah. the the amount of exposure that the league has got over in the USA because of this has been astronomical and something that we've never seen here in the NBL. And I'm not sure we're going to really realize it. Um, until a few years down the track and the mm. amount of people that take notice and the, the doors that are now open. I mean, we've saw Terrence Ferguson and, and the success that he had, you know, and he didn't, he didn't set the world afire over here with his numbers. We still a, a first round draft pick. And, and I think he's doing pretty, pretty good job in the NBA and he's getting quite a few minutes. So yeah. uh, there's times where, where he's, uh, he's playing some pretty good basketball over there, but, you know, I think LaMelo Ball's another level to, to Terrence Ferguson. And I think there's going to be a lot of guys, a lot of high schools over in the USA that are really considering the NBL as an option now. And, and, and we'll see, we'll see how RJ Hampton goes as well. I don't, I'm not sure we'll see him play much no. either. I think he, he's helped himself probably, you know, not as much as LaMelo Ball with the, with the numbers that he picks up. But you also got to remember RJ Hampton's a year younger almost yep. than LaMelo Ball as well. He's pretty, he's pretty young. So it's a, uh, yeah, I think they're, I think it's a huge success and I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what guys they bring out next year as well. There's a lot of factors to it. I think for the NBL overall, it's been a massive success. And I think moving forward, like you said, there's going to be a lot of high school players that 
decide now not to go to college and come to play in the NBL instead and then hope to play in the NBA on the back of that. So I think it's a huge tick for the NBL as a whole. And I think Paul Lamello Ball has been a huge tick. I think Denny Lozada, you have to say, it's been a huge tick for his development. And I imagine this time next year we'll, we'll see him playing meaningful NBA minutes. I think overall it's been a win for RJ Hampton as well. I think he's gone from somebody who was probably thought of as a top 20 pick, where I think now he'll certainly be a top 10 pick, potentially top five. Terry Armstrong just has never given himself a chance for for whatever reason, so I I think we discount him. So I I think from a player's point of view, it's worked, and from the league's point of view, it's worked. But the clubs that have actually brought the players in, has it helped them as a club, do you you feel? Especially probably the Hawks and the Breakers. Has it it helped them overall by having Ball and Hampton part of of their group? Well, that's that's up to debate. I mean, um, mm. from from a pure wins point of view, I think you're always going to struggle when your starting point guard is 17, 18 years old. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's just that's just the reality. I mean, you could have LeBron James. I mean, maybe he's he's an exception to that, but mm. outside of you know a handful of the few elite players, and even Lamelo Ball is potentially going to be a top one, two, three pick. Still, I don't. I think from a development point of view, I think when you're relying, especially at that point guard spot, I think you could probably get away with it at two, three, a little bit more because yeah. you don't have a guy calling the plays and the ball in his hands all the time. But I think at that point guard spot, that to me, that's that's a, a lot of responsibility to give a 17, 18 year old when you're going up against guys like Damian Martin, Mitch Norton, and and mm-hmm. guys that just know how to play physical and and, and get the job done, and, and you. Let's also, you know, Casper Ware, Kevin Lish, yeah. you know, those guys are, they're almost NBA caliber players as well. So you're going up against some seasoned veterans that you're going to have to to go against at, at that point guard spot. So I think that's a tough call, but, you know, I think it's also the exposure to Illawarra Hawks. I, I know, you know, their crowd numbers, I haven't seen the specific numbers, but I imagine their home crowd is better this year. I think they can yeah. surely improve, but, you know, it's better than it has been in the past. So there's, um, you know, from a pure wins point of view, and it's it probably hasn't helped, but I think that uh, overall exposure and, and from the league, it, from the league's point of view, it's definitely a, a been a bonus. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's move on. We've got four games to go for the rest of round sixteen here, Sean, and and two of those on Saturday. We've got a doubleheader on Saturday. First up, Brisbane Bullets hosting the Illawarra Hawks. We've talked about the Hawks there. They're just playing for pride and really to to blood their young young players at this point. So hopefully we see a lot more of Emmett Nair and Sunday Desh and Angus Glover and 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 company there, and and hopefully. They just get a chance to, to build for the future. But for the Brisbane Bullets, they need to win this game. They've been playing well lately. Lamar Patterson's been terrific. Will Magnes come, coming from nowhere to be a really exciting player. Matty Hodgson's playing pretty well. Um, they're building some momentum, the Bullets. This is a must-win game for them if they want to want to stay in the playoff mix, though. Yeah, they've got to get this one. And I think, you know, I think Will Magne at the four and, and Matty Hodgson at the five gives him a little bit of a different look. I think Will yep. Magne from his d- defensive presence and the way he's able to block shots is, uh, is pretty impressive. He, he's definitely grown this year and his, his ability and, and confidence out there. So I'm excited to see. His development in the, the young guys from the Hawks, they're, they're really grabbing 
this opportunity by the horns. They're playing hard. They're just, you know, they're not able to close out games as well as probably you would hope, but I think that's just a learning experience. They'll be better for it. And, uh, you know, if you're a Hawks, you're using this as development, see who you want in your, in your club for the future, mm-hmm. but they've got some exciting prospects and you saw that with Sunday Dutch and a few of the other guys being named into the, uh, boomers lineup for the FIBA yeah. window coming up. So they've got some, some exciting things to play for, but the, Brisbane Bullets, you got to you got to expect them to get this one, and uh, they got a lot riding. They still got a chance. I mean, they get this, they're 500, 11 and 11, and yeah. uh, with a great opportunity to get in there if they can go on a run. Now this next one's massive, and and I'm willing to say the winner of of this game will probably well, I'll, I'll say it. I think they'll end up making the playoffs. So that's how important I think this next game is. Cairns Taipans hosting the Adelaide 36ers. So much, so little separating them right now. Cairns are third at 12 and 10. Adelaide are fifth at 11 and 11. So if Adelaide wins, they join the Taipans on 12 and 11, and then it's a, a real dogfight from there. But if the Taipans can win, go to 13 and 10, they're in a in a really good position. So I think the winner of this one will end up making the playoffs. I'm not sure if you're willing to say that or not, but what are you expecting from, from the game? Oh, I think it's going to be hotly contested. I think the 36ers yeah. are hot and cold, but obviously they got a good win against the Wildcats. And uh, they're going to be needing this one. And and I wouldn't go to say, well, let's say if the Taipans win, yeah, I think they're in. And and obviously if the 36ers lose, I think they're out. But if the 36ers yeah. win, I still think the Taipans have a great shot at getting mm-hmm. in. And, and I say that because of the percentage as well. I mean, yeah. you look at the 36ers, their percentage is 0.98. So they've got to finish a game of head of Taipans or United oh, almost four, yeah, they're almost in. four percentage points behind so it's uh, it's going to be tough for them to get in percentage wise so they can't lose too many more and uh, and that's the other thing is if they are winning and you're you're even winning big you want to get as big a margin as you can I mean yeah. you're only playing one or two games a week so you know you don't want to look back at the end of the season and hey if I had you know giving your development guys two or three minutes and all of a sudden they lose eight points and you don't make it to the finals because of that. That's something as a coach, you've got to know going in that, Hey, we've got to try and win it by as much as we can, because it could come down to that, especially with how tight that spot for third and fourth is. Absolutely. Who are you tipping? I've got the top hands at that one at home, but I think the 36ers, I think 36ers are going to make it tough for them. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a hell of a good game to watch. Then on Sunday, two more games on Sunday to close the round. The first one is another massive one. Spark Arena, New Zealand Breakers, who they probably can't afford to lose another game, so they need to keep winning. But so does Melbourne United. They're, they're really struggling at the moment, Melbourne United. We expected them to be championship contenders, but right now, if they lose this game, they they could very well be out of the, the top four by, by Sunday night. So massive game at Spark Arena. Tough one to tip too. It is a tough one. I just think the the importance of it, I think United are going to get that one. But I keep writing off the breakers and they find mm. a way to win. I mean, they're playing five guys. They got three points from their bench. And yep. and that was from their import, Brandon Ashley, who plays eight minutes. So yeah. And they they beat the top team. It, it doesn't make sense to me, but they're finding a way to, to get a win. But second game of the, of the round, I think United will get him. Obviously, breakers having to travel back to Spark Arena as well. I think so much riding. And you know, I just I just think United's talent has to come through at some point. Mellow Trimble yeah. can't have that many bad games in a row. 
I expect him to explode and have a big one. Then the, the round finishes. This is another important game because the Sydney Kings can't afford to drop two games in a weekend. But I would have thought if the South East Melbourne Phoenix lose this one in Sydney on Sunday, if they're not out of the playoff race already, then they will be if they lose lose again. So important game. Both teams coming off Friday night losses, but you'd have to say the Kings will bounce back, especially with Bogut back in the lineup. Yeah, Bogut back, back at home. I can't see the Kings losing this one. It's a, uh, the Phoenix obviously having to travel from Perth as well. It's going to be tough for them to back up. And, you know, I think this, this road schedule and, you know, the Phoenix don't want to ride off this season yet, but it's going to be great to see character of this team towards the end of this mm-hmm. year and see if they can build some momentum, I think, for going into next year. Obviously, they still got a chance, but I can't see them getting the Kings in this one. And if they lose that one, it's going to be tough to get, get into the finals. Yeah, I think so too. Now, now that we'll wait and see how the next two days unfold, but a little bit of a change to the format this week. So I hope everybody enjoyed being able to hear us sort of give some immediate feedback on the Friday night games and, and then some last-minute previews for the rest of the round. So hopefully you all enjoyed that. Uh, thanks to Hoop7, of course, for making it all happen. And check them out at hoop7.com.au. And also our other partners, Devlin's. Check them out at devlinsonline.com.au. And for all of your sporting apparel needs, go to ID Athletic at idathletic.com as well. Really looking forward to seeing how the rest of the round pans out, Sean. We'll have a look back on it all next week as well hopefully well as it turns out our tips are all the same this week so you had a pretty good week last week you went six of six and i had a couple of trip ups so you're back in front of me and i've got no chance of catching up this week so you're looking good in in our tipping stakes so we'll keep an eye on on that plenty more to talk about next week we'll fill you in on what sean's doing with redditch basketball on next week's show as well he's got another exciting event coming up but for now sean to close another episode of Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle, what can you leave us with? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that six for six. I was pretty happy with my picks. <laughs> uh, you know, I think my, my picks went a little bit sleepy over that, that Christmas holiday, but a good thing I've got my sharpness back. I'm well yeah. rested and uh, I'm liking my picks for this this week as well. So I'm excited to see how it, how it all plays out. And you mentioned our sponsors, ID Athletic. They They've taken care of me. I got some teams going over to play over in Bendigo this next week. Kitted them all out. And, uh, you know, Hoops Heaven as well. They've got some, the new PG4s are out. LeBron James got some new ones out. And uh, I think the James Hardens as well. So if you need some new basketball shoes, basketball season coming up, go check them out. They've got all the latest gear. So that's where I get my shoes. And hopefully our, our listeners support our sponsors as well. Have a great time.